Would you turn with me in your Bible to Matthew 5? We're going to be in verses 1 through 12. Hear the word. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, as we approach your scripture this morning, Lord, I ask that you put me behind the cross, that your words and your thoughts would be mine. And Lord, if I misspeak, forgive me and let your message be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So today we continue in our study on the Beatitudes. These, these qualities or attributes of Jesus Christ, which God is, is working everything together to put into our lives. We have seen that the, the first attribute is being poor in spirit. Our dependence upon God. You, you have to totally depend on God to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then last week we looked at the attribute of mourning. And if we mourn our sins and the sins of others, and we turn back toward God in prayer... God will hear and answer those prayers for ourselves and for others. Today we look at an attribute that's, that's often misunderstood. And it's Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So some of these translations that we have say gentle. And when a person uses the word meek, a picture of timid or fearful or weak comes to mind. And that's not what the word means at all. The Greek Bible word in Matthew 5 is often translated as meek or gentle. But that same word is, is often used to describe a horse that's strong and, and powerful, but the horse has been trained and broken to submit to the will of its master. And it's a great example for us of our own meekness. That is, trusting and submitting to the will of God. In Hebrews 11.6, God gives us a definition of faith and it says, the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things unseen. Hebrews 1, God gives us a definition of angel. It says, there are ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. God does the same thing with meekness too. Psalm 37, 11, we read, The humble will inherit the land, 
This verse in Hebrews is virtually the same as Matthew 5, 5 in Greek. The meek shall inherit the earth. And God gave us Psalm 37, an Old Testament revelation of exactly what Jesus was going to teach us in Matthew 5, verse 5. In the Sermon on the Mount. We find that the whole psalm describes in detail what meekness is and what a meek person does and does not do. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. You see, we see that meekness is based on our trust in God. It involves this submission to, to God and to God's will, which leads a person to do the right thing. It's a, it's a decision that we make. You know, we, we call it um, justification. You know, the, the, the prevenient grace is the grace that goes before us, and it's happening in our lives before we know anything about it. And the justifying grace, that justification, is the point where we say yes to God, where we, we, we give in to God. We finally quit running, quit going the wrong direction. But you get the idea. The meek person is the person who trusts God and who, who, who takes their hands off of the situation. Trusting God to take care of it. You could do something, but God's power and strength and judgment in not just a given situation, but in all things. There was a man named Bill Day that lost his sister in the explosion at the Murray Federal Building in Oklahoma City in 1995. And later in an interview, Mr. Day said that he was no longer bitter and full of hatred, that he had forgiven Timothy McVeigh. And when asked why, he said, because I am a Christian. I believe no one is going to get away with anything. And it's far more fearful, fearful to fall into the hands of God than for him to have his own revenge. He trusted in God's judgment, and that freed him to do what was right in his own heart and in his own actions. And that is meekness, that, but it begins with trust in God. These beatitudes, they all work together, and they build upon one another. And First, you heard the poor in spirit realizing that you're a sinner, and, and, and a beggar spiritually before God. And then you mourn over your sin, and this drives you to Jesus, where you take your hands off of salvation, and in your meekness, you let Jesus have it all. You trust in Jesus, who went to the cross to save you. I mean, Jesus has already shown us that He's going to take care of us. There's, there's really nothing holding us back except our own control issues. The greatest example of meekness that we have is found in the life of Jesus. All these qualities found in the Beatitudes are His. Was Jesus meek? Did He humbly trust God's plan for His life? Of course He did. Did He trust in the Lord and do good? Well, of course He did. In Christ alone, there is, no, there, there is no greater example. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor, for I am meek. Some say gentle. And he, is, he not only said that he was meek, but he lived it out. When he was being arrested at the garden, Peter took out his sword and cut off the ear of the soldier. Remember that? But Jesus rebuked him. Jesus allowed himself to be taken. And when he was paraded through the city and the streets and on the way to the cross, and he was spit on and he was beaten and he was mocked. And what did Jesus do? 
He said, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. He knew that this was God's will. He was meek. He trusted God's plan. He didn't take things into his own hands like he could have. Because he could have. He had all the power in heaven and on earth, remember? Jesus could have done anything he wanted to do. But he submitted to God's plan. And he endured. And he was meek. So if we're going to live like Jesus, we have to learn to be meek. We have to learn to, to trust in God for God's plan. Moses, like Moses and King David, a man after God's own heart. All of those men exemplified meekness. If you have a desire to be like Moses or King David or like Jesus even, you have to allow God to build this quality of meekness in your life, this attribute. And when you do, you, it becomes such a powerful witness to God. Think about how people would respond if you were meek. If you didn't respond to hatred or criticism or angst and hostility or anger. If you didn't respond the way we would normally want to. The way I have in the past. Some people always look for the newest and the best evangelical tools. But you know what? The greatest tool there is is a Christ-like life. To live like Jesus. To love like Jesus. To forgive like Jesus. To be meek like Jesus. This is exactly what God is trying to create in you and in me. This Christ-like meekness. You got to remember, you can't just do this on your own. Biblical meekness is something that God's Holy Spirit has to produce in you. You have to trust. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness, and self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It, this, which means that you've got to be a Christian. You've got you to be having a relationship, a daily walk with Jesus Christ. You have to know that God's Holy Spirit is in you and working through you and that you work together with God to produce this spirit, this fruit. I promise you, if you are going through, going through the actions, if you are showing up and, and reading your scripture and, and praying your prayers and, and taking your quiet time and trusting in God, God is working in your life. God is making this meekness come in and, 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 and filling you with that. Romans 8, 28 and 29 tells us that God is working all things together to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that some of you are in a situation that, that God has allowed to come into your life so that you will have the opportunity to learn this quality, this meekness. And to demonstrate to the world how a follower of Christ responds. You know, John Wesley, when he 
you know, he, he doubted. He doubted that he, he didn't have the assurance of salvation. He, you know, he preached to thousands of people and, and gathered rooms full and fields full of people and told them about the love of God, but he didn't have the assurance in his heart that God loved him until he went to, to uh, Aldersgate and he heard the reading of Romans. And he said his heart was strangely warmed. When you trust God and God begins working and you begin to realize the changes that God is making, you too will be strangely warmed. I don't know how that will come across, but it happens. Some people call it an aha moment. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to trust in the Lord and do good. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.